Well, if you would, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10. I enjoyed the singing. appreciate being back over here at Whitfield Baptist Church. Uh, some of y'all were um, coming back and welcoming me back. The uh, thing about it is I'm not really as enjoying coming back to Whitfield, and it's not for any reason that you may think. The reason is I'm 40 years old now, and I've not really enjoyed being 40. I came back here, Angie and I were talking about what we would do when we got back over here to the church, and I said, you know what I just realized? I'm going to be in the friendship class. I said, I am not old enough to be in the friendship class. And my wife is like, yes, you are. And so, it's nothing against Brother Al. I'm looking forward to hearing Brother Al teach. He's a great teacher. I just don't want to think that I'm that old. I still think I'm in school. I think I'm over at Tennessee Temple. And all that happened 20 years ago. I just can't believe it's been that long. And um, I don't even think of myself as an adult half the time. So uh, this is really bothering me. So if you see a frown on my face, it's not because I don't want to be here. I just don't want to be in the friendship class because I am not that old. <laughs> really, I'm not. Some of y'all are asking also, what is my plans? What are my plans now that... Um, I spent my last Sunday over at Ridgeview. Right now, I'm not looking to pastor. I'm going to go around and preach over at churches. I hope some churches will have me. And um, I'm looking right now. Next Sunday, I'll be up in Buffalo, New York. And I'm preaching up in New York and then going down into Erie, Pennsylvania that week as well. Preaching over at Grace of Calvary Baptist Church where Brother George Alquist is the pastor um, for the Southern Camp Meeting of the North. Some of y'all may have heard of Erie in the past week. Um, I heard in two days they had 54 inches of snow in Erie, and um, somebody said that whole week they had over 100 inches. I don't know if that's true. That sounds a bit crazy, but it's true. That's the area that I'll be going to, and the reason why I'm going up there is I can't stand how cold it is down here. So um, we'll see how it works out. We're in the book of Luke, chapter number 10. Luke, chapter number 10. I'm going to be reading verses 38 to the end of the chapter. Luke 10, 38. I'm going to go ahead and read the verses all together. The Bible says in verse 38 of Luke chapter 10, Now it came to pass as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me alone to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And I'm not very good at picking out titles for messages, but I wanted to take those three words in verse 42 and make it my title. The three words are, that good part. As we look at this passage, um, we look at the fact that Jesus went to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And as we look at this, that Jesus had went to this home, we find that throughout the Bible, there's an emphasis placed on the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It was a, a place that Jesus could go and right away feel exactly at home. What a blessing that is. 
How many of us have a place away from our own home where we feel that we can go and we can be ourselves, we can feel perfectly at ease, we have perfect liberty to do whatever we want, we're with friends who feel more than friends, more like family? Isn't it a good feeling to know you have places like that where you can go? And it was good for the Lord after he was busy going about ministering in Galilee, ministering around Jerusalem and in Judea, it was good for him to have a place where he could go and rest and relax. The reason why Jesus had that place, the Bible tells us, is because Mary and Martha and also Lazarus had done their part to welcome Jesus into their home. And while Jesus was there, He was there during times of happiness, and He was there during times of sorrow. He was always there to comfort the heart and cheer the soul. And what Jesus did in the home of Martha and Mary and Lazarus, Jesus will also do in your home if you will just welcome Him in. Tell Jesus you have a place here at my house. You are the guest at my table. You are the visitor that's always welcome to my home. And Jesus will come and do a great work in your life, just as He did in Mary and Martha's life. Now as we look at this great passage, I'm going to spend just a little bit of time. I want us to look at three different things that I see in this passage that I think will help us understand what the story is trying to get across to us this evening. The first thing I want you to see is this, if you're taking notes. I want you to see the sisters at home. The sisters at home. Now we don't hear Lazarus's name mentioned in this story, and for good reason, the story is not really about Lazarus. It's about Martha and Mary. And as we look at Martha and Mary, they are sisters by blood. No doubt, if you had seen the two of them, you would have known they were sisters. I'm sure they looked in many ways alike. Yet even though they were related by blood, even though they had many physical characteristics that tied them together, um, the way they were, their personality, the way they went about, they could not be two more different people. And that's the way it is also in the family of God. I'm so glad that when Jesus saved us, He didn't demand that we all be the same. But instead, what did He do? He brought in different people. Every person in the family of God fills a specific purpose, and it's important that every one of them be involved in the house of God and into the service of the Lord. We look at Martha first, and we see something about Martha. I want you to write this down. Martha was the practical one. Martha was the practical one. This was her idea. After all, when we look at this passage in verse number 38, we see that it wasn't Mary, but it was Martha that had invited Jesus to come into the house. That Martha was the one who received Jesus in. She was the hostess. She was the one that pulled Jesus in. And Martha's attitude, once she had invited Jesus to the house, was to go back home and make sure that everything was just right. She made sure that they had a good table prepared for the Master. If they had servants, she went to her servants and made sure they were working on the task to make sure that Jesus' experience in her home was as good as it could be. I want you to notice this about her. She said in her heart, I'll show my love for Jesus by what I do for Him. That was her attitude. She wanted to show her love for Jesus by what she would do for Jesus. 
She was a worker. And I am so thankful for the people in God's house and in the churches of God who are workers, who see a task that needs to be done and say, I'll do that task. No matter how dirty it is, no matter how hard it is, if it needs to be done, I will show my love for the Lord in my service. Boy, we need workers here at Ritfield Baptist Church. Wouldn't you agree? There's so much going on in this church. There are so many opportunities for us to have. And I'm thankful for people like Martha who say, I will show my love for Jesus by what I do for Him. She was somebody who showed her love through work. Now Mary was the exact opposite. Martha was the practical one. If you were taking notes, let me point out who Mary was. Mary was the thoughtful one. Mary was the thoughtful one. Look at verse number 39. We've already been introduced to Martha in verse 38. Now we see Mary. The Bible says, And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard His word. Notice the position of Mary in this story. It says that Mary sat at Jesus' feet. Now, every time we see Mary in the Bible, every reference to Mary in the Gospels and in the entire New Testament, she is always in this position. She is always at Jesus' feet. We see it right here in Luke chapter number 10. If you don't mind, put a ribbon or your finger in Luke 10, and let's turn over to the other places where we see Mary. If you would, let's go over to John chapter number 11. John chapter number 11. We're going to be looking in verse number 31. John chapter number 11, verse 31. This is the passage where we see Lazarus raised from the dead. It says in verse 31, Then the Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was, and saw Him, notice the next statement, She fell down at His feet, saying unto Him, Lord, if Thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now, I'll make a statement about this in just a minute, but for sake of time, let's now skip to the next passage. John chapter number 12, the very next chapter, we see Mary again. We see Mary in verse number 3, if you're looking there. It says in John 12, 3, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus. Now notice the next statement. And wiped His feet with her hair. Now if someone's able to wipe the feet of Jesus with her hair, where does that tell us where she is? She is at His feet. As I look at the story of Mary, and I see Mary in the Bible, I think of a verse that Paul wrote in Philippians 3.10. I think we all know this verse. The verse is this, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Now look at Mary right here. We see in Luke chapter number 10 that she has taken her position at the feet of Jesus. Now from that position, I can see two things about her. Number one, she takes her position, the position of a learner to a teacher. She desired to learn what Jesus had to teach. 
Every time in the Bible where you see Jesus mentioned as master, always remember this. The word master there actually means the word teacher. Some of you all have heard of a schoolmaster. Many years ago they used to use that term. The word master in the King James Bible, referring to Jesus, always means teacher. And Mary wanted to learn of Jesus, just as Paul said, that I may know Him. I imagine that Mary, on Monday, when they were doing their washing, she would get her washing done, and if Jesus was nearby, she would leave her home and go where Jesus was and listen to what Jesus was teaching on that day. And Tuesday may have been ironing day for the ladies, and when they got their ironing done, what did Mary do? If Jesus was around and she could go and see Him, she went to Jesus. Why? Because she wanted to know what Jesus had to teach. And because of that, and her position around Jesus, we also see this. Not only did she look at Jesus in the position of a learner, but if you're also at the feet of Jesus, we see it as another position. A position of a worshiper. She is also worshiping Jesus. Always remember this about worship. What is worship? People talk about worship all the time. But simply put, what worship is, is simply this. It is attributing worth to someone. The root word of worship is worth. My question as you worship Jesus is, how much is Jesus worth to you? In worship we show it. Mary showed Jesus how much He was worth to her in her attitude and her position. Because she desired, as Paul said in Philippians 3.10, to know Him, she also began to know this, as Paul said, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. In John chapter number 11, when she falls at the feet of Jesus, what had happened? Her brother Lazarus had died some days before. And what did Mary tell Jesus when she fell at His feet? She said this, Master, Lord, if Thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. In other words, she understood that Jesus had the power to heal, but it was beyond her ability to believe that Jesus also had the power over death. So what did she learn of Jesus that day? Not only could Jesus heal the living, but that also He could raise the dead. At His feet, Jesus revealed to her the power of His resurrection. But Paul goes a step further in Philippians chapter number 3, verse 10. He said not only that he may know Him and the power of His resurrection, but also that he might know the fellowship of His suffering. As we look in John chapter number 12, Mary is seen at the feet of Jesus doing what? Anointing His feet with costly ointment and wiping His feet with her hair. Why did she do that to Him? The Bible said that she did that for Him in a picture and in respect to what Jesus was about to go through in His death. And we see in the position of Mary that she fulfills Philippians chapter number 3, verse 10. She desired to know Jesus, and she knew Him. She desired to know the power of His resurrection, and she saw it with her own two eyes. She also desired to know Him in the fellowship of His suffering. And And Mary found it in John chapter number 12. What a woman Mary is. 
I told you that Martha said in her heart, I'll show my love for Jesus by what I do for Him. Mary said this, I'll show my love for Jesus by spending time with Him. By being as close to Him as I can possibly be. Why, I want to be at His feet. When we look at these two people, two very different people, the attitude of Martha was, Martha worked and Mary worshipped. Martha worked and Mary worshipped. We've looked, number one, at the sisters at home. Number two, I want you to see this. I want you to see the scene at home. I want you to see the scene at home. It's a beautiful scene. Martha going about getting this beautiful home prepared to make the best meal she can possibly make for Jesus. So thankful for her working attitude. And we see Mary at the feet of Jesus, wanting to learn, wanting to worship her Master and her Lord. But the problem is, this scene... Now, I'm from South Georgia. I was born in Macon. I lived for a while in places like Cairo and Americas. When Brother Wayne talks about Claxton, I know exactly where Claxton is. And down in the south part of Georgia, we can talk about having a scene, and then we can talk about having a scene. And there's a scene that's about to go down right here. It's going to be a scene. It's going to be a problem because this beautiful moment in time is almost ruined by Martha. Because we see that the beautiful verses 38 and 39 are transformed to a problem in verse number 40. If you'll look at this verse again with me, notice what the Bible says. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. The first thing I see here with Martha is Martha was fretting. Martha was fretting. Notice the statement here, the very first statement. It says, but Martha was cumbered about much serving. Now that word cumbered, that word cumbered means she was distracted. The actual Greek word is very interesting because the Greek word itself that we get the word cumbered about from actually means this, to drag about. In other words, picture it this way. Martha and what she's trying to do for the Lord, for the best of reasons, she loves the Lord. She's wanting to show her love for the Lord by what she's doing. Martha is no longer able to handle the work. Instead now, the work is handling Martha. She's not dragging the work around. The work is dragging her about. She's fretting. She feels like she's not going to be able to get the job done. It has now ceased to be an operation of love. It's more than that now. It's an obligation. She feels it's a duty. She feels it's some kind of requirement that she must get done. There's no more grace. There's no more love in what she's trying to do. Martha is fretting. But also we see in the next statement that Martha is also resenting. Martha is resenting. Look at the next verses. She begins to speak after she has this problem in her heart. And what does she say? Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? 
Now, when I've heard this story before, and I'm sure maybe you've also pictured this in your own mind, the story goes like this. Martha's been doing all the work while Mary has been sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's working hard and she keeps seeing Mary doing absolutely nothing and finally she has enough of it. But that's wrong. That is not the way this story is told. Look at verse number 39 again. Study this now. Verse 39. There's an important four-letter word in here to help us understand what Mary's doing. Verse 39. And she, being Martha, had a sister called Mary, which... Notice the next word. What's the next word? Also sat at Jesus' feet. Why did they put the also there? Why didn't they simply say, Mary, which sat at Jesus' feet? Here's the reason why. Martha wasn't the only one working. Mary had worked as well. Mary had gotten done what she was supposed to get done, and what did she do? She left her work and sat at Jesus' feet. The problem is this. It wasn't that Mary hadn't done enough work for the Lord. The problem is this. Mary hadn't done enough work to please Martha. Martha was not satisfied with the fact that Mary had stopped. She was not satisfied that she's doing all the work and Mary seems to be doing nothing. She ignores that Mary had done work but her focus is all on herself. Notice her words here. She said this, Lord, don't you care about me? Doesn't that sound familiar to you in the Bible? Well, I think of the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. Do you remember that story? They're in a boat. The ship is being tossed about in a storm. The disciples are trying to do everything they can to keep that boat afloat. They think they're going down. And what do they do? They look back, and do they see Jesus with a bucket trying to bail the boat out? No, do they see Jesus trying to pull down the, the, um, the, the mast or pull down the, the um, whatever, the sails in order for Him not to be blown overboard? No, what do they find Jesus doing? He's sleeping. And what do the disciples say to Jesus? Lord, carest thou not that we perish? They have this attitude, the same attitude that Martha had. And even though we shake our head at Martha and the disciples, how many of us have said once in our life, Lord, don't you care about me? Don't you care about the hard times that I'm going through? Don't you care about the problem that I'm dealing with right now? Don't you see the state I'm in? Lord, don't you care? But the Bible tells us the truth about Jesus Christ. It says it in 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse 7. Casting all your care upon Him. For what? He careth for you. Does Jesus care? Yes, Jesus cares. I know Jesus cares. His heart is touched by my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Jesus did care. Jesus did care whether or not Martha at that moment understood. Not only do I see Martha was fretting, not only do I see Martha was resenting, but I also see in verse 40 that Martha was dictating. She's dictating. 
Look at her statement again in verse 40. I want you to notice the very first word. What is the first word that Martha says out of her mouth? Lord. Lord. Then she says, don't you care? But after she asks Jesus the question about does he not care, listen to her next words. I'm going to cut out her question, and I'm going to take the first word and her last statement. Lord, bid her therefore that she help me. She calls Jesus Lord. And then she proceeds to tell Jesus what to do. With her mouth, she admits that she's Lord, but in her heart, what is her attitude? You're going to do what I tell you right now to do. Lord, bid her. Come help me. You see, her attitude about this was simply this. There's a problem here in the church. There's a problem going on in this worship service, Jesus. And here is the solution. The solution is this. In order to fix it, we've got to have more work. More work. Mary is not pulling her weight. That is the problem, Lord. So why don't you tell her to work? And in modern churches today... Seems like that's the solution to every problem in the church. I have to be honest with you, as a young man, when I felt I wasn't right with the Lord, you know what my solution was? Is there anything else I can do at the church? Is there another revival meeting I can attend? Is the preacher going to preach at another church? Can I go over there with him? For some way, maybe just doing a little bit more for God would fix the problem of my heart. But that is not the solution. Is work wrong? No, it's not wrong. But there is a problem that goes beyond work. It goes beyond our actions, and it deals with the heart. Now, if I was Jesus, and I'm sitting in Mary and Martha's house, and Martha came and talked to me like that, do you know what I would have said to her? Hey, Martha, you moron! You don't know what you're talking about. Do me a favor right now. Go back into the kitchen, shut the door, and better yet, just shut your mouth. I'm not going to listen to it. But I'm thankful that I'm not the Lord. That's the wrong way you can handle it. You see, we've seen already the sisters at home. We've seen the, the uh, scene at home. Now I want you to see finally the solution of the Savior. The solution of the Savior. I react in a bad way when people come and talk to me that way. But the Lord didn't. The first thing Jesus did here was this. He calmed her anxiety. He calmed her anxiety. Notice the way He speaks to her in verse 41. Pay attention to what He says. He says, Martha, Martha. Now that's not being condescending to her. It's soothing her. He's being gentle with her. He's not being pointed. No, He's speaking in a kind and gentle manner. He's saying, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Now, that word careful there simply means she's anxious about what's going on. In other words, if you don't understand the word anxious, use the word that we use now. She's worried. She's worried that the meal ain't going to be to Jesus' um, liking, that it's not going to work out the way it's supposed to work out, that the food's going to get burned because she doesn't have Mary watching it, that the dishes aren't going to be clean because she doesn't have Mary washing them. She's worried. Have you worried before? 
The amazing thing about worry, have you noticed this? I'm 40 years old now. <sighs> I'm 40 years old now. And in my many years upon this earth, I've noticed this about worry. Have you noticed this as well, that most things we worry about never happen? Most things we worry about just never happen. I was over at a restaurant in Chattanooga. And as I was walking through, it was a Western-themed restaurant, and they had this big sign, and it was a quote by old Will Rogers. Anybody remember Will Rogers? If you do, you're old, okay? <laughs> Will Rogers. The quote was this. It really stuck with me. Listen to this. Will Rogers one time said, Worrying is paying interest on a loan that may never come due. Worrying is paying interest on a loan that may never come due. She was worried. Do you honestly think Jesus was going to sit down at the table that Martha prepared and start criticizing anything that she had done? If it was done from a heart of love, don't you think rich or poor, grand or like a pauper, that Jesus was going to say anything to be critical of what Martha had done out of the love of her heart? No, but she was worried about it. So what does Jesus do to calm her anxiety, to calm her worried heart? He does this. He simply speaks words to her. She speaks words to her. And you see, when Martha heard the words of Jesus, it soothed her heart. Now when we look in the Bible, I have a Defender's Study Bible. King James. Sorry, it's not my Rock of Ages. It's packed up in boxes right now. I have to find it, but I love the Rock of Ages study Bible. It's an excellent study Bible. You know, I look at this one, and it has red letters in it. Now, what does it mean to have red letters in a Bible? What are the red letters? The words of Christ. But do you realize that the black letters are also the words of Christ? All of this is God's Word. It doesn't matter if it's red or black. All of this is God's Word, and all of it will soothe your heart. As the Bible says in, in Paul's letters to Timothy, it says that the Word of God is written for what purpose? That the man of God may be perfect. In other words, complete, truly furnished unto all good works. Are you worried right now? Why don't you open God's Word and let Jesus use His Word to soothe your heart? as he soothed, fretting Martha. He spoke to her, and his words soothed her anxiety. And God's word as well will soothe your anxiety as well, if you will listen to what Jesus has to say. Not only did he calm her anxiety, but he also corrected her activity. He corrected her activity. Now before I give the last statement here, I want you all to pay attention to something. Some of you all are probably saying right now in your heart, is Brother Jeremy trying to tell me that there's something wrong with work? That maybe what we need to do is stop working and maybe just get down on our knees and worship Jesus? No. That is never the solution. Many people have a problem and they get burned out and they get worried and they fret and they get upset and their solution is this. I'll just stop doing what I'm doing for the Lord. I'll stop working in the bus ministry. I'll stop teaching a Sunday school class. That is not the solution. Just as doing more work is not the solution, 
doing less work also is not the solution. I want you to listen to how Jesus corrects your activity. Look at verse number 42. Jesus says, But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. The first thing he says is this, But one thing is needful. One thing is needful. Jesus talked about one thing a couple of times in the New Testament. One time Jesus was speaking to a lost person, a sinner, a rich young ruler. He asked that rich young ruler, have you kept the commandments? And he said, yes, I've kept them from my youth on up. Jesus heard him say that, and what did he say? One thing thou lackest. But to the believer, Martha's a believer, what did he say to her? One thing is needful. There's a difference there. She didn't lack anything to be a child of God. But however, in order for her to be a success in her Christian walk, there was one thing, not lacking, but there was one thing that was needful. What is that needful thing? Well, let's look. It says the next statement, And Mary hath chosen, here's the title of my sermon, that good part. Now the word here that's translated part, in the Greek and other places in the New Testament, is translated as fellowship. The same word translated as part here, in other places in the New Testament, is translated as fellowship. And I think in hearing that other translation for this word, we get a better understanding of what Jesus is trying to get across to Martha. She had, Mary has chosen that good part. And what is that good part? Fellowship. A relationship. Worship of Jesus Christ. And here's the solution to all the hardship when it comes to work, with any anxiety, with any fretting, with any resenting in our heart. It's this. We must make our fellowship with Jesus Christ our worship of Jesus Christ, our relationship with Jesus Christ, the priority of our life. Again, it does not mean to quit working, but rather let our work flow from a heart of worship. A heart of worship. That is vital. That is needful. That is necessary in our Christian walk. Now think about John 15, verse 5. Jesus speaking to His disciples the night that um, He would be betrayed, the night of the Last Supper. He says this to His disciples in John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. If, ye abide, if I abide in them and ye abide in me, ye shall bear much fruit. Now here's the important thing. For without me, ye can do nothing. How many of us are trying to work for Jesus Christ without having fellowship with Jesus Christ? How many of us are busy trying to do something for Jesus Christ and we don't have much of a relationship with Jesus Christ? How many of us are struggling to achieve something for Jesus Christ? Yet there is no worship of Jesus Christ. The story stops right there. It doesn't tell us Martha's response. It stops right there. 
But I believe the Bible does give us the response. You see, the one thing I want to know is this concerning what Jesus said. Did what He say work? Did it make a difference in Martha's life? Did it change her in any way? The Bible right here is silent on it. We don't see Martha mentioned again in the entire book of Luke. Is there an answer to that question? And I believe there is. If you would, look one more time to John chapter number 12. We're closing right now. John chapter number 12. Now I've already read verse 3 of John 12. Let's read the first two verses now. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. Now notice the next statement. And Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Right here we see the answer. Did it work? The answer is yes. When Martha is mentioned again here in John chapter number 12, what do we find her doing? She's prepared a supper for Jesus. And what is Martha doing? What she does. She's a worker. Thank God for workers. Amen. Wonderful thing to have workers in the family of God. But she's serving this time with no attitude, with no fretting, with no anxiety, with no resentment. She's serving the Lord. She's now showing the Lord her love by her work. And my question to you this new year that's coming up is this. Aren't you tired of serving Jesus Christ and working for Him out of a sense of obligation? Aren't you tired of trying to find a solution to make everything right in your life and the only thing you can come up with is simply doing more work? That's not the answer. The answer is this. Let your work come from a vital, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let it flow from the heart of worship and it will make a difference in your life. Amen.